Happy Friday. Day $1.0, episode 7. It's been a long week. It's been a great week, but it's been a long week. What's up, guys? What's going on, Eli? It's been a good week, man. Like you said, week. super productive day today. 100%. We got into some good stuff, man. I think so. Yeah. We're going to... Uh, we're gonna get this. Pay- I don't know how you get it so quick. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No, nah, it's not. Well, that yeah. dude, that's not good. <laughs> that's right. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get this started. We're gonna get shared live so everyone knows what's going on. That's right. That's <clears> so right. everybody can see it and um, make sure we're all good. I'm surprised you gave up on, Fat, fat's on official, a Friday. Fat's officially doing for this for us next time. Is he? Yeah, it's the last thing we need to be doing right when we start. I mean, podcast. you're looking at me. I'm on my computer. That's okay. I know. But we're gonna. Uh, we're going to copy and paste. We're going to make sure it's up on the page. There's some guy in his car right now driving to work at like 5.30 yeah. a.m. Like, all what right, guys, fuck? come on. Sir, the page. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, it's that same guy that flipped me off today. Fucking yeah, guy. Dude, it's so dramatic. Yeah, there's a lot of dramatic drivers out there, man. We're going to talk about that a little bit today because it's we're going to talk about episode seven is going to be culture. Mm-hmm. But we're going to elaborate a little bit on that. <clears throat> As in, I think it's something that's missing. In, and I don't want to say corporate America. It's not that it's corporate America. I just think it's missing in business. But mm-hmm. I want to talk, we want to talk about how it's effective in business, how to build it um, before it, be, it can become effective, and then how that translates into your personal life and just, you know, how you choose to be a dad or how you choose to, to be a husband or a wife. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm big on that. <clears throat> you know, a little bit of an analogy is they're kind of going away from youngsters playing like dual sports. A lot of it is baseball year round, year round, or football, you know, year round, and they're missing some of of what you carry over from other sports, right? You know, um, and I think it's super important. But the same thing when it comes to like business or how you approach life, I think <clears throat> we've talked about this before. You know, if I'm super patient or, or whatever I'm doing for my clients, but then I come home and I and I'm helping my daughter with homework, and after ten minutes, I'm not very patient and I'm frustrated. Is that fair? Not good. So a lot of things can kind of correlate, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and they kind of weave themselves together as far as how you're approaching your business, <clears throat> excuse me, and how you're approaching your personal life. But I think it's because everything kind of derives from who you are as a person. Yeah, and, and the reason I'm excited to talk about this because it's one of the most talked about topics in business, and mm-hmm. every company talks culture, culture, culture. However, very, very, very few people actually know what the hell it is, how it's applied, or what it even is like they just don't even know what it is but they talk about it all the time and very few people do it at all 100 mm-hmm. percent. and remind me of this because <clears throat> as we get through this conversation today i want to i want to be reminded i want to talk on subculture oh i like that oh yeah we're gonna come at you good. yeah we're gonna talk about subculture today so i'm gonna write that down mm-hmm. and uh you know i think uh jumping into this topic man a lot of people out there in, in uh they're leaders and they don't even know it and I think a lot of people, if they realize that they're in a leadership position, like you mentioned families earlier, if you're if you're a parent, mom, dad, whatever, if you're a parent, you're a leader. And if you're not looking at your family's culture and the way that you're acting as a leader, you're in trouble. It's harder. Yeah. <clears throat> and here's my here's my short opinion on that before we kind of reverse a little bit and then, you know, and, and officially get started mm-hmm. on this. But you don't have a choice. You decide to have a kid. You decide to have children. You decide to be a husband. Whatever it may be, you decide to be a wife. Like, that role is now on you. You know what I mean? And, hey, like it or not, you're a leader. This isn't this isn't your corporate America piece. This isn't being a part of the military, not being proficient, and you step down and someone steps up. Nope. You're dad. And even if you want to step down, I think kiddo wants you to be a dad. 
we're not going to get into divorces. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into people who decide not to raise their kids. Pieces of shit is how I usually <laughs> leave that there. Right, so if right. you're a piece of shit, probably don't listen to our podcast. So <clears throat> I want to make sure we stay in, in a certain scope because there are people out there and there's always anomalies. Well, what about people that don't even know they have a kid? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not talking about that. Like, I want to stay within the scope of <clears throat> you're fully coherent that you have a family and you're in some role and maybe you've just got to adjust your mindset on how you approach it. Because a lot of times I think just being in the right state of mind when you're driving home from work yeah. and understanding your role or at least being aware of your aware, role right. lets you act better once you get there. Right. But a lot of times we kind of just go through our days, a little lackadaisic, a little go through the motion mm-hmm. versus understanding what hat we got to put on at that moment right and then being that right and being the best dad that we can and i think if you know if we have those little adjustments you know it's there you know mm-hmm. and i think <clears throat> culture is man you you have broad so you have like the marine corps right honor mm-hmm. courage commitment huge marines die for that right but <clears throat> within that culture you have subculture as in the guys immediately around each other and what they what how they're co-mingling together and who's stepping up as leader and and who's doing things or so, like so us. not so not like the leaders per se yeah. but all leaders involved but just yeah. like your direct so let me let me give you an example as we as we kind of launch this thing like we own our brokerage team through berkshire hathaway right right so berkshire hathaway has their shout out to warren buffett <clears throat> warren what up dude enjoy that mcmuffin bruh <laughs> and i wonder if he does jujitsu no that we could get him to no <laughs> no but he could pay for the most expensive couch and get decent dude you ever i see, bet he could be like you ever, uh you ever, purple how, belt. <laughs> you ever see how thin his skin is like he's We're got talking that super about old people thin dude, skin he'd have he's old what do you mean he's got the old people skin like he's fucking well, old i'm saying you gotta grab that it's gonna like rip off or something unless he's in the senior league if yeah. there was one it might be there's some badass seniors though true but back on topic yeah the marine corps and then how i talk about that and then you've got like third battalion first marines and you've got <clears throat> kilo company and then you've got okay. third squad like it you continue to grow down into these subcultures where people are directly correlated together correct so that's okay. like war you know it's like berkshire hathaway mm-hmm. it's core values and its mission statement cool but then genesis home team also has its own identity i uh, gotcha and before that you have innovative real estate has their their identity correct mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. even down one more genesis home team and the reason why that's important is how many people come into work every day and they're affected by warren buffett zero we respect him nothing against him but it's almost unrelatable Mm -hmm. and even though you're going to try to live up to some some core values or try to stay in tune within the color of their their business and how they want to conduct business there's no effect there's no personal connection there's no accountability you've got to have there's so there's more direct which is which is sometimes what i think can be more important which is your subculture which is genesis home team and the 12 people around each other every single day and the accountability and the culture there Got it. Super important. Even in like boot camp. I remember like boot camp, school of infantry, man. I need a shot. I need some whiskey for this one. <laughs> we got in trouble one time. <clears throat> and um, I just remember like the instructors. I knew we were in trouble. I can't remember what it was for. But I remember the instructors, when we got to breakfast, they said, eat. <clears throat> you don't eat. Dude, like in boot camp, school of infantry, like, mm. dude, you're go, go, go. I had to be a it had to have been boot camp, and I just remember them saying "eat." Okay. I'm like, "Oh man, hmm, I dude." Just, so in boot camp, man, everything is like go go go. I was throwing yogurt on bread <clears throat> and just eating right. that because you're just go go go, man. It's a culture shock. It's physical. It's mental. You know, I've had a I had a drill instructor one time, man. Wake me up. I'm not. Gonna, he's a cool guy. Wake me up. 
kind of get, put me in a little bit of a headlock in the yeah. top bunk and just literally, man, he just said, you think you can sleep? And he just walked off. Right, right. That was it. There was no, there was no punchline. It was, <clears throat> that was it. Yeah. I wasn't even in trouble. Shit like that, right? Yep. Like, they just fuck with you, man. And they're, and they're bre- trying to break you mentally and build you back up and all that cool, cool stuff, right? Well, they never give you time to eat. You got to be super effective. So when they're like, eat, like, you're like, what is this? What the fuck's yeah. going on? And guys try to not eat. Like, no, sit down, eat, <clears throat> you know? And, um, okay, dude, that goes on all day. We go back out, we're drilling, we're doing our rifle stuff, we're doing our physical fitness, we're doing ops- obstacle courses. Lunch comes around. No, 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 sit down, eat, eat, right? And you're like, dude, at that point, then the smirks and they're, you know, they're looking at you like, dude, you just know it. And they make sure everybody's eating, dude. Okay, cool. You know, we do more stuff for us today. Everybody's trying their ass off, right? My daughter does the same thing when mommy's mad. Right. And she's not sure if I've heard or not. So, like, she's super lovey and mm-hmm. great at everything. Mm-hmm. When I get mm-hmm. home, I can tell. Even if I haven't heard, mm-hmm. I know, right? <clears throat> Evening chow comes around. Eat. Eat more. Right? Dude, fucked up. So, we get back to the squad bay. <clears throat> and we still don't know what happened. Dude, I don't know if somebody pissed himself. Somebody, like, right. got something bad in the mail. I To this day, dude, might be my bad memory. I still don't know what got us in trouble. But after evening chow, we go back to the squad bay. Everybody is standing online. <clears throat> and they're like, get your fucking canteens out. All right. So everybody grabs our two canteens, fill them up. So we go to the bathroom, fill them up with sink water. Mm-hmm. Good old SoCal sink water, mm-hmm. right? All right, good to go. Drink. And they start counting down from 100. All belligerent, right? 199, right, dude? Yeah. And you got to be done. Excuse me, it was one canteen. Okay. <clears throat> you got to be done. And you got to put it up over your head and show that it's empty okay. before 100. Everybody did it. Cool. All right. Get back in there. Fill them up. And you're like, what? So you get back in there and you fill them up. You come back out. You stand by your bunk. Everybody's standing online in the squad bay. Drink. And they count down from 100 again. And that happened for three or four canteens. Oh. Scientifically, your body can only hold so much. Yeah. And I'm imagining like the the dun 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 dun. Uh, we were talking about that today. <laughs> dun, 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 uh. Dude, it's only a matter of time before somebody can't hold their oh, their yeah. water with so much food in you from that oh, day. Yeah. And mind you, man, we must have been four or five weeks in. I, I'm thinking, <clears throat> and we weren't used to getting that much food. Mm-hmm. And dude, everybody's standing there. I can't remember. I think it was our scribe. He looked like a weirdo too. No disrespect if you're listening out there, scribe. He um, or other weirdos, dude. One or two guys start yakking, and that's what kicks it off. Oh, yeah. Once you see somebody yak, everybody's fucking yakking, right? And at that point, the entire squad bay was covered with food oh. and slush and water. <clears throat> and then we're, dude, they're throwing out. They have us unlock. Our, oh, that's what it was. Somebody left their Foot Locker unlocked mm. the night prior. So everybody's throwing their, like, you had, we had to throw our shit out on the floor, and then we had to clean it all up, and, <clears throat> dude, they were parading around, like, and then the drill instructors just think that shit's hilarious, Yeah. right? And they're fucking parading around with our oh, yeah. guide on, and they're marching around like it's fucking Iwo Jima, dude, and then we had to, like, clean the entire squad bay the entire night. Your shit's a mess. It's terrible. It's terrible. Here's my deal. Everyone in that squad bay was in it together. No one knew which which foot locker they didn't they didn't grab somebody up and single somebody out so nobody knew whose foot locker was left unlocked and, and dude you're running around so crazy and in, in boot camp it might have been yours mm-hmm. so it's hard for you to talk shit I'm like oh i know mine wasn't unlocked no you fucking don't right he's just so busy 
and they didn't say whose it was. It didn't fucking matter, right? And we, dude, everybody got thrashed that day, and then everybody had to clean everything up that day. But my point is, right, beyond being disgusting, <laughs> my point, man, was it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. We all chose to join the Marine Corps. You were all assigned and put into the squad bay and put into this platoon together to work through boot camp together. And from day one in the Marine Corps, man, it's very clear. You're not going to do anything on your own, right? Like they've had professional boxers go to boot camp and get fucked mm-hmm. because they couldn't do it, man. Like, and they were trying to alienate themselves. Coming from a very individual sport, like I get it, you're going to fall back on that. But the bottom line was day one, man, you're not doing anything by yourself. And I went during a time of war. And I had three infantry boot, uh, boot camp drill instructors, and we had a, a Motor T guy. And um, super hard on us. But literally, man, from day one, dude, you're not doing anything on your own. And if you're that kind of guy, you're going to get people hurt or get people killed and whatever it may be. But the fact that we were all in that together and didn't have a choice, it kind of forced us to work past that point of, like, mental break, but then also understand what really matters and what doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. We all got fucked up. It didn't matter, dude, whose footlocker was unlocked. And everybody trying to bicker and who, whose was unlocked. Oh, I know mine was like, like, that doesn't last long because you get like 30 people yelling at that one dude. Shut the fuck up, right. bro. <clears throat> we have three feet of water in this squad bay full of chicken noodle soup yeah, yeah. and yogurt oh. and bread. And we only have so much time to have this clean. And that next morning you're getting up and boot camp continues. So you just didn't have time for that. And I think that's a benefit depending on the type of leadership you have in boot camp. And it sounds like a terrible, <clears throat> non-appropriate, non-friendly situation, but it really teaches you to a certain level, man. <laughs> and I'm sure they, I'm sure part of it was like, they just had fun fucking us up, but we were all together on that. Yeah. So this is how, you know, it's important to understand that. And dude, when guys are training for combat and training for warfare, it, you're great at it. Cool. Well, what if you're the one getting shot at? One guy's decision can affect everybody. Or, well, yeah, but if, but here, not only that, but what if you're the guy getting shot at? Well, now, no matter how great you are at something, you can't go do that. Mm-hmm. Other guys got to get you out of that hot zone, correct? Or right. even worse, man, what if you get shot in the right. fucking grape and you're right. dead? Yep. Now what? Now these guys got to survive the entire deployment, 100 more firefights, whatever they get into. And they got to be proficient, and it sucks that you're that you're dead, but it is what it is. And these guys got to get everybody else home. And now someone below you in that squad has to step up and then be that squad leader and be proficient, which is exactly why if you didn't train your Marines, if you were the guru, if you're not training people to be better, <clears throat> you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, we've kind of bred that down into our culture with Genesis Home Team and, and making sure that we're breeding thinkers. But... This is going to kind of lead me to my to our topic of what I want to talk about, because I think everybody's in agreement, culture, right? But it's kind of gimmicky, and I've heard a lot. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of people ask me, you know, we were, and I was talking to some of the guys, some of the the guys, you know, the upper echelon guys for Berkshire in Colorado, um, you know, when when people when people talk about like what are your core values, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I say I don't know, or like oh well, what's your mission statement? We I hear know. that question a lot. A lot. And they're yeah. always talking about like, well, like, what is it? Is it honesty? Is it integrity? Motherfucker. If you're a liar, you're out of here. Yeah. You're out of here. Dude, these are standards, okay? Like honesty, integrity. Those aren't core values. Listen, man, you can't be falling on your on, on your sword for that. Honor, encourage, and commitment. Those can also sound cliche, but it's what was built around those. <clears throat> and that's what I'm talking about because from... Boot camp on at the, at the most simplistic level, 
they gave you perspective on how deep those run. Right. So for us, they're not cliche. How do they do that? How do they drive those core values into you guys? They fuck you up, dude. They fuck you. You don't get away with anything. And if you do something, they punish the masses. You want to sneak peanut butter back into your bunk at night? You want to put it in your pocket from the from the chow hall because you're hungry at night and you want a little peanut butter snack at night? Or you want to like, you know, whatever you're doing with that peanut butter at night? Dude, if they find it, they literally thrash everyone. And sometimes they don't even thrash you. They make you oh, watch. Yeah. Right? Same thing with like mafia stuff, dude. We're like they don't kill you. They kill your family. Then they make you still work for them. Fuck. Yeah. That's terrible. Right. Not condoning culture uh, there too. Different kind well, of culture. A different kind of culture. Right. There's morals involved here too. But the biggest thing that they get across to you through the Marine Corps is, is especially at your basic level, man, you know, from boot camp on is <clears throat> how your actions affect others and how your decisions matter. Right. Because your decisions, they're going to affect a lot of people. And that could be applied to combat, could be applied to a lot of things. It can also be applied to your family. Like, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, can, I affect my kids with every decision that I make. And what people need to understand is your decisions matter more than you realize and the effect of your decisions have a bigger impact than you realize. And a lot of times it can be super negative. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times in society, <clears throat> and this is just from my perspective, people go through the motions and they don't, they think if they don't do it, someone else will. So question for you, and I'm, yep. I'm excited to do this podcast because this is something that I'm genuinely curious about. And mm-hmm. I love the idea of culture and I love, you know, we don't have our core values down right now, but that's intentional, mm-hmm. but I do love the culture that we've developed. Um, so I'm excited to ask you some questions just as far as your thought process beside behind why you do some of the things you do on the team. So like in the like, Marines mm-hmm. or military, they're hard as fuck on you guys. They have no choice. I mean, you can't leave, right? You're in. I mean, maybe you can or something, but for the most part, <laughs> we had to, we had a couple guys kiss in the bathroom because, you know, like if you were back then, it was like, don't ask, don't tell. So okay. like if you were openly gay, they would, uh, they would kick you out. And some guys that were kind of breaking, um, they try to kiss in the bathroom. Yeah. And, yeah. It's this whole, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get political. I don't want to get in trouble saying some shit. I mean, no Long different than short, you and I. They got right? laughed at. We all knew yeah. they weren't gay. They stayed, but it's, right. it's just a sign of weakness. And I'm going to go one step further, man. Not everybody has an amazing time in the Marine Corps. Right. Not everybody has well, incredible leadership in the Marine So, so a lot of my experience is by chance, the leadership that I was dealt when I got in from boot camp to school of infantry to anything yeah. I ever did in the Marine Corps. I didn't choose my leadership, right? Like I worked that as as best as I could and I got attached to some cool units, but by chance I had some Mm -hmm. incredible leaders. That's not everyone's experience. And this is why subculture is so important because no matter what the Marine Corps wants to put out, you got to remember, man, it's up to drill instructors. It's Mm -hmm. up to, you know, school of infantry leaders. It's up to any other MOS school leaders. It's up to your units, squad leaders and platoon Mm -hmm. leaders. It's up to them to not only adhere and carry you know, those core values, but they've also got to like hold and create a standard and and proficiency Mm -hmm. as a leader. And that doesn't always happen. And this is where guys get derailed. And this is where guys have a terrible time in the Marine Corps, a terrible time in the military, or it was neutral and no Mm -hmm. one cared. And they checked the fucking box and they didn't really realize where their impact was. And then that subculture failed them. But I I mean, that's why we're so hard on this. Like I don't talk Warren Buffett every day. We talk about Genesis home team because that's what we can relate to. But that's where you and I have influence. Well, and and so in a company, so people, you know, you can be super hard on the Marines and and they can't leave. They're there. Whatever kind of experience they have is their experience. But in a company, when people can walk away anytime they want, when you're initially building that, I mean, yeah, they can, 
people they don't get need obligated, to come in tomorrow. But they got health insurance. They get out. They get they get imprisoned by a paycheck. Yeah. So you're right. They have the freedom to do so, but well, and if they have not so, as much as we might think, right? So how do you instill that same type of culture and still be hard on people, but also keep them motivated moving forward in the sense that they're not just going to want to leave tomorrow because someone's an asshole in their eyes or something. Yeah. <clears throat> well, first and foremost, you and I were, were doing our thing and kicking ass. and we had a lot of things that we thought we were good at. Yeah. So that's the first thing is whatever field you're in, like, are you good at it? Correct. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. We're good at something. Cool. <clears throat> Second thing that's got to go on to that. Is it sustainable? I've talked about this before. So I'm just going to use real estate because that's what we do. Are you getting a lot of deals because family members happen to be selling right now and you're, you get six deals in 90 days and you're on top of the world and wow, <clears throat> you know, you're six months in and you've done nine deals in the back of your head. Do you know, like, well, family was hooking me up mm -hmm. and you're not sure how your second year is going to go, right. which means like, even though you were kicking ass and you're good at some things, it might not be sustainable. So first and foremost is, are you successful at it yourself? All right. Like you get right. If you're leading from the front, you got to be successful at it yourself. Secondly, is it is what you're successful at sustainable? So is it is it sustainable for you? Is it something that is is generating business? You're not lucky from a couple family members. Right. <clears throat> Third thing is it. Du can you duplicate it mm -hmm. as in whatever you're doing? Can you teach that to others to make them better? OK, that's your first piece. Right. right. So before you even going and worry about the culture you want to build or think that you want to build with a team, you got to make sure that as a leader, you have value. Mm -hmm. Because if you're leading from the front and you add value to someone's being, you're a lot further than most. Right. Okay. And that value is huge, right? So and you've got to have that baseline level of proficiency and respect. Baseline. And value. Right. Not and just value. respect. Right. Some people but, respect but, people blindly. Right. But the respect by showing, hey, you know what you're doing. You've applied it. You know what you're I'm doing. Glad you have you use the word success. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm glad you use the word respect because when I see the word respect, before I'm looking at people on our team to respect me mm -hmm. and having that respect, I'm giving it. But I'm okay. giving it through that value. Like, I'm respecting you. Like, if you've chosen to be on this team mm -hmm. and you're trusting us with providing value, I'm going to respect the shit out of you by answering that phone call. Got or you. doing whatever we have to do through mentoring and through coaching and providing material okay. and providing value. Yep. So I'm giving that respect. I'm giving that trust. I'm giving that value very first. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> Another thing that goes into this, because we've let people go before. Don't be a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Not that ever. And I'm using that loosely. I don't think anybody we've ever let go is just a flat out piece of shit. But we've had one that we talked about recently, you know, that was screwing a client on a deal. And then he ended up making barely any money. And, and, a, and a managing broker had to take over because of his his style, we'll mm -hmm. call it, of communication and, and proficiency and respect toward other agents and the clients. And it was not good. <clears throat> you know, and you're, and you're putting other priorities first versus those families. So I think what you look for when you're hiring people is like-minded people, as in, you know, that they do seem honest. <clears throat> They're realistic with their goals and what they want to achieve. They're open-minded and they want to that's, learn. That's a huge part right there. They have to. Huge part. And here's what's even bigger. They're a team player. Right. If I need something from the team, if another teammate needs something from them, they're looking at putting the team first ahead of their own lessons, mm -hmm. which in reality, if you do, you learn a ton and you get exposed to a lot of people. Because if I'm putting you first and you're putting me first, guess what? We're taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that's, excuse me, that's the same thing when we're looking at military and patrolling through it, you know, 
urban warfare combat and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Dude, I can't see if I'm on the left side of the street, I can't see the third story right. window. I'm I'm directly below it, but I can see across the street. Mm-hmm. But that means I gotta turn my back to that. And I and I gotta watch this side of the street. And then you're gonna turn your back to your side of the street and you're gonna watch mine. And there's a lot of trust that goes into that. But this is where just seeing if people are have their priorities straight and if they're good people. In addition to that, you know, you might have an ideology of like who you are or what your team could be, but you have no one on the team. So for me, how are you writing your core values and how are you writing your mission statement before anything has happened? For us and for me, it was hiring what I felt were good people and then providing value to them and then taking that year, year and a half of seeing what's becoming successful and do a year in review and go, okay, what's working? Mm -hmm. What's making us successful? What have we done? Who have we gotten rid of? And then going, okay, out of everything that's been making us successful, what's at the core of it? Right. Mm, Interesting. You're going to find your core values. Yeah. Okay. Who have we gotten rid of? Why? I like that. Okay. Right. So, okay. We've gotten rid of a couple people. Why? Right. Everyone else has stayed. Why? Where are their numbers? Where's their progress? Where's their life at? Not just their sales. Where's their personal life at? Where's their head at? Where have they gained psychologically? Where have they gained professionally? Where are they at? Why? Mm. And then anyone that we had joined the team later on after the first big group, where are they at? And how did that first group affect the second group as in momentum? Because our second group caught on yeah, very quickly. Quick. The first group was like the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. The second group gets to not only listen and learn from us, they have other agents ahead of them on the team mm. that are cranking, that are doing a lot, that are doing, and, and those and people that are doing well from the team are bigger validation of our success than me running my mouth. That's true. Right? There's that momentum. There's that belief as they come in. So then you're looking at that and you're, and you're, you're putting it all together and you've got to reverse engineer it once you ha- once you have enough of your own data and go okay what's at the core of this mm-hmm. you're going to find your core values right because you're going to see out of everyone from these different walks of life what are the common what are the what are you, what's at the most core of every individual here that made us a team and made us successful that's such a good point dude right because people are trying to you're exactly right they're trying to develop this thing which can only be developed after the thing is developed dude like you can't put the cart in front of the right, horse kind of thing right. cliche but it's that, true dude putting it that way that makes a lot of sense to me and i think that's why a lot of companies struggle with culture because they yeah. do exactly what you just said they try and develop the culture mm-hmm. and then they grow the team however the fuck they're going to grow the team and totally forget about their culture, but it sticks on the plaque on their windows over the conference room or some bullshit like what that. It, right. And your culture is your team. It is mm-hmm. your people. It's it not is. just you and I, man. Right. Your culture is your team. It's it's, it's yeah. what how they're acting, who they are, and, and how they come together. And then through your own data and your own success, because what if you're putting that cart in front of the horse day one and you're trying to figure out these core values or whatever it may be, and you suck for five years? Mm-hmm. Are your core values off? Or are you so fixed on these three core values that you're not paying attention to the individuals that you're hiring and make it right or firing? Like there's a reason why you and I do our own deals. And I've said this, man, it's leverage, right? There's a reason why lenders don't buy us leads, mm-hmm. right? We'll create, we'll go, we're gonna go procure our own buyers, our own sellers. Leverage. I'm not going to owe a lender anything. Right. Right. We've seen that. We've dabbled in it. We, you know, to, to yep. entertain some of yeah. our early, uh, early clients or early agents just yep. to get some of our own data. But we know wholeheartedly where that leads. And we know how to procure buyers and sellers, but they're ours. We don't mm-hmm. owe anybody anything right. for that. Right. Now, it goes one step further. 
if you and I are doing our off-market stuff, doing investment stuff, doing traditional sells and buys on the MLS stuff, and we're providing for our families through our own ability of being that tactician, I don't need anyone on the team, which means if I got an asshole, hypothetically, right? But he's doing 20 deals a year, 30 deals a year. Well, now, if I need his money to, to provide for my family, well, now my decision-making ability is altered, mm -hmm. and I'm putting other priorities in front of what people call their core values. You're putting this in front of what you should be weighing your decisions on, and we're going to get into that later on in the right. podcast as well, versus, hey, man, you're, you're a cancer. Like, you, you're doing this, and now your shit doesn't sink or whatever it may be, and now this is how you're toxic toward the team. Dude, I don't care if you're doing 100 deals. I'm not sacrificing the people. And your team sees that, man. You're, if your they, team sees they it. They see it if you keep him. They see it if you cut him. And if you keep a guy who's cancer or keep a girl who's cancer, you might lose your good ones because mm -hmm. they're tired of that person. Mm -hmm. But no one's bigger than the institution. Not even me. And it has to be that way, man, right. in order to have that integrity. And when you're going through that, if, you're, if, you're, if you have the leverage, then that means people's honesty and their integrity and their coachability, and their work ethic, and their ability to be a team player, now that starts to bloom. Once that starts to bloom with everyone, and we're starting to play that varsity ball, right? Mm -hmm. And things are flowing, and things are making sense. Now you've got enough momentum, and you've got enough consistency where you're going to be able to go back and really figure out, like, what are our core values? Right. Man, we got a, we got a Spanish-speaking agent. We're going to be building a team under her that's still within our team. Mm -hmm. And, and her being Hispanic and being bilingual and coming from her background, right, and, and just crushing, you don't think she should contribute to the culture? You don't think she should have an opinion of what our core values are? You're damn right. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're 500 employees deep, you probably have your core values by then. I don't mean that they just never come about because everybody has a say. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is your first core, pun intended, your first core group that becomes successful, that helps forge everything into place, that really gives you that momentum and that direction, they should have a say in right. what those core values right. were collectively because they were literally the fucking people who right. grew it with you. Well, and they feel, and a part, they feel a part of something that way, dude. They are like a part e of it. Everybody, you know, when you go back thousands of years and you look at how, I mean, we, we come from a, a tribe, you know, we're, we're tribes people. Like people need people around them. That's why, you know, we, we do, that's why social media is what it is. Cause it's more or less a tribe for people. We've segregated ourselves and we're individuals in our homes for the most part now. And I think social media just pops off cause it makes people feel like they're part of a tribe. And when people can tell how much you care and then they get to a level of proficiency and then you start passing some responsibility onto them and they feel part of something, get talk about your core. I think that goes down to your DNA, man, as far as, uh, just people feeling like they belong with their tribe. And people are vulnerable. Yeah. We're all vulnerable. We mm -hmm. all have that level of where we of where we we look. Right. Right. So a lot of times loud mouse, and I'm a loud mouth, don't get me wrong, but I try to stay in my lane with it, right? But a lot of times when everyone's kind of looking for direction, whoever's kind of speaking up like they got it figured out, they're gonna follow that, follow and yeah. trace. And yeah. you have a lot of people that have maybe never done leadership especially at a high level where there's a lot, there's lives at stake. Like there's a lot you learn from that, you know, and you think like if you're writing a book or if you're reading a book and you're trying to go, or if you're making some shit up and you're trying to go chronological, well, one would think that your core values and your mission statement comes first. And I'm not saying companies have never been successful doing that first. I'm not going to get into that because I'm sure there's open, there's room for debate. However, for us, right. And, and for being genuine, like what really, 
is down to the core, man. It's like those people that, so you and I were successful. You and I were sustainable. You and I could duplicate our model. Right. But everyone that's coming within that first year, there's going to be some growing pains and there's going to be some, some things that fluctuate and what's working, what's not working. Principles, honesty, integrity, hardworking, coachability, putting a team first. I have a hard time calling those core values. I think those are great qualities that one needs. But if every one of our agents can start mastering those, and then everyone is working on all cylinders with those five great tools, I think now that's like collectively that becomes a big enough drill to really get down into the core of the earth, really right. get down into the core of what, like for the Marine Corps, honor, courage, commitment. The subculture of the Marines that pass that down to me, you understand how, the level of, the, of how those feel. Mm-hmm. But if the Marine Corps was treated like a corporate America and they were just put on a board, they would be any they would be any other core value, mm-hmm. period, right? So again, so now we've talked about this culture, you know, and just you know, being proficient and being successful at whatever you think you're going to go teach, making sure it's sustainable, like you actually have a process within yourself. You're not just shooting from the hip. There's a lot of talented people that shoot from the hip and and awesome, right? doesn't mean that you can then duplicate that, right? And doesn't, right? Does that make sense? So again, being successful at what you're leading or what you want to lead, making sure that whatever that model is is sustainable. Thirdly, making sure that you duplicate that. And then I guess fourthly is making sure that people have those tools mm-hmm. to be successful and reverse engineering it and then finding those core values. But this is where I, man, and we can talk about it later, but this is where I really get into subculture. Because right. again, it's not that you and I don't adhere to Berkshire core values and Berkshire principle. Of course, man. And a lot of it's just like letter of the law. I'm also okay with that because there's room for interpretation. But again, man, the reason why, especially like with bigger businesses, the reason why subculture is so important is because you want someone to come in every day and have something to be re- to relate to mm-hmm. and something to be accountable to. Like one of the one of the biggest things that hit me in boot camp, we were going through you know, like third phase and we were going through like that final phase, man, and where you're not sleeping and, and all that stuff. I can't remember, can't even remember what it was, what it was called. I'm sure Marines are shitting on me right now. Oh, the crucible. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> Motherfuckers. I know there's a couple of Marines out there like, Whoa, bro, you don't remember that? Like, I remember it. And it, again, it's just boot camp. It's nothing crazy. It was crazy enough. But when you're going to the crucible, you don't sleep for three days. They give you like one MRE. You got to ration it out and they keep you up and, and all that. And then at the end of it, you get your equal global anchor. And it's really cool. But during those three days, you have a ton, you're hiking a ton and you're in there. And as you hike, you're going and you stop somewhere and you have like an obstacle to get over. Okay. And if you're not utilizing the entire team, you just won't pass that. Like you literally need an entire squad to pass these obstacles. But what's really cool is as you get to those stations, they read off a medal of honor recipient, right? Like they name a station after a Marine. Got it. Even though I was in, man, like oh, like late 04, 05 era, OIF-1 had already happened. Like, so your first invasion of Iraq and things like that had already happened. You already had a ton of, like, heroes from the Marine Corps that were my age, mm-hmm. my generation, my war that mm-hmm. I was walking into mm-hmm. when I went to the Marine Corps. No disrespect to World War II Marines. Right. No disrespect to World War I Marines. No, not at all. But you were part of this. <laughs> right but here. however reading something that was like six months ago right. is huge. It's relatable. So again, even at a boot camp level, those drill instructors created a subculture of their interpretation 
of what the Marine Corps meant to them. Mm-hmm. And they had to translate it, almost like the Bible, dude. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they had to translate what the Marine Corps meant to them in their era, in their moment, during their times of combat, during their times of of passing that torch down and making Marines. They're making fucking Marines, man. Like that's something that's super, super serious in the Marine Corps. They had to interpret that how they speak, correct? Mm-hmm. And then you get to a unit, you get to your first unit or, or whatever it may be. Every unit down to every squad of Marines, you have Marine Corps leaders, correct? Like through that entire chain of command, through the entire Marine Corps, you have that chain of command of leaders that adhere to Marine Corps values. They adhere to Marine Corps core values. However, on a daily basis, they have to adhere to it, but also translate and then sustain Marines to a certain level of what they think is not only the Marine Corps thinks is proficient, but what they think is proficient. And they've got to translate core value, which is going to translate into like, what does that mean to you? Like, what if one of your squalors just got back from Iraq and some of his friends passed away? What what do you think the Marine Corps means to him? Oh, and you don't want to wake up early to fucking go for a run? You don't want to work out because it's Monday morning and you were drunk last night? <clears throat> but I had two Marines pass away, giving their life for other Marines to even let you have an opportunity to get up, you bitch. Right. Okay, well, so... Not that I'm saying everything in the Marine Corps was pure. I'm not saying that. But imagine that sergeant's or, or that corporal's perspective on what the Marine Corps means for him, how he's translating it to younger Marines to make sure they adhere mm-hmm. to those core values and they continue. You know, and when I was getting down the Marine Corps, man, I had a Gunny, super great guy, Gunny Scott, a whole podcast could be on Gunny Scott. He's a phenomenal human being. And he said, man, when I was getting out, <clears throat> you know, and sometimes you – you're wondering if you should get out or not. And like when that day comes and you're and you're kind of hesitating and he kind of made me laugh and patted me on the shoulder and he goes, Grimes, <clears throat> here's the deal, man. If great Marines don't get out, no one knows we're great. Like mm-hmm. there's there's still power behind taking who you are as a Marine and then passing that message back into the civilian world to enlighten people on what we're all about, to encourage people to maybe be a part of the Marine Corps one day and be a part of something that's bigger than themselves at the highest level possible of commitment and sacrifice to team. So let me ask you about that. Cause yep. that's, that's literally exactly what you're doing right now. And Correct. you're taking your Marine experience and you're, you're putting your interpretation of it and bringing that to civilian world and our team. Mm-hmm. And, and just to give, you know, you guys a little insight as far as like kind of what it's like on the Genesis home team, like Uh-oh. you guys, I'm sure you have a really good idea about Will right now, you know, and kind of how he is, but there's an extremely high level of accountability, uh, expectation, but that expectation isn't necessarily expectation of you to perform extremely well, but expectation of do your fucking best and ask if you don't know how to do something. And like you said, don't be a piece of shit. Um, you know, we encourage all the time people to come to us, come to us, come to us. You don't have to be perfect. Even know what you're doing, come to us and ask. But Will's hard on people. But you're also really, you know, people can tell that you care a lot and that that comes from a really good place. So my first question is, how do you show how do you put that underlying extreme level of care, you know, kind of underneath that extreme level of accountability and being hard on people? Yep. Um, Let's stay right there for a sec. Cause you've got two, if you got two questions. So first question of how, like how you put that extreme care, this is because I have an opportunity, right? So I have friends, personal friends of mine that, that passed away either from suicide or passed away during, during combat operations I and it took me a while to swallow it and and make sure that I'm effective, but I have an opportunity. And man, what's great about the Marine Corps is is not only like my guys that are still here, 
still present. So either in the Marine Corps or, or they ventured off in, into entrepreneurship or whatever they're doing, but they're alive and they've transitioned out. I still know that those guys pay attention. And man, guys that pass away, you kind of feel like they're still around, you know, and you kind of feel like at the end of your day or at night, like, look, man, have I done all I can to influence? Like, I, I don't control shit. Right. But have I done everything that I can to influence every situation possible? And that really, I, my, I don't know if it sounds cliche. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. It's because it's not cliche for me, but man, like we talk about Captain Shantosh, um, you know, the other day <clears throat> and I'm just even fortunate. And he's not a, it's not Captain Shantosh, by the way, he was, he was higher than ranked in that by the time he retired after 20 years. And now we know him as Brian Shantosh, right. And, and he likes to be called Tosh and, it's really cool. <clears throat> I knew him for a blink of an eye in the Marine Corps, but everyone knew who he was, man. He's a legend, but I'm super fortunate to get to know him as Tosh because there's a lot to him outside of the Marine Corps. I love making that dude proud, not because it, it like fills a void. It's, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people are people pleasers to fill a void. I'm a people pleaser to people who I consider my peers or were my leadership when I was in to have them say, good fucking job. Or, Hey, Grimes, he's a good one. Hey, he's legit. <clears throat> Respect from those guys means most. And I might talk to that guy, man, every couple. I, I call his ass. He never answers. That's because I talk too much. And he probably doesn't have. <laughs> Tosh, hey, like, Tosh, if you're listening, talk to this dude. I'm not even disrespecting you. <laughs> I get it. If I if I call you, you're right, man. You're on the hook for 20 minutes. I, <laughs> and Tosh, I still haven't, like, played you. He he loves video games. His son's playing video games. And we're Fat and I are supposed to be playing that dude in Call of Duty on Xbox. We had PlayStations my, my, in my lady plays, and we still haven't played him. So he's probably cold shouldering me for that too, but, and I talk too much, but he sent me a text the other day and he goes, Hey, you know, that comment you make about why you take the shot at the buzzer, you know, like I got asked, asked by that, by, by someone that I mentor that mentors me as well. And they asked me like, Hey, you know, like, are you the kind of guy that takes the last shot of the game? Like, are you confident? And, and do, you, do you have enough of that in you to like, to, to overcome that and to do that? And I'm like, yeah, man, that is so me, but it's for nothing of what you're saying. I remember, you know, the guy we were talking to, you know, he asked, I said, man, I take that shot the last, you know, I take the last shot of the game or I take that shot at the buzzer because I can shoulder that loss, right? Like the responsibility behind the team trusting in me to do my best and, and the team trusting in me that, and let's keep it to sports, right? So it's relatable. The team trusting in me to take every single rep in practice, every single look at film, Every single ice bath, every single heat, every single whatever I need to do to be prepared, not only in the game, but to take the last shot. They're trusting that I've done my entire process that week or that year to take that shot. As in, I respect everyone enough and I respect everything that we're doing. And I'm being honest enough to know that I put the work in to be prepared for that shot. Right. Also meaning, if I miss that shot, I know what I need to do to shoulder that loss in order to bounce back and keep the team moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So we come out better and we come out on top the next week. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people think of the shot. So not, not that that's this topic today. It's not, that's not your question, but you know, he sent me a message and he said, Hey man, I've been sharing that, you know, I'm giving you, giving you the credit for it, but I've been sharing that and it fills people as much as it fills me. Keep kicking ass. Dude, that text message, I'll ride that fucking thing for a year because I, I appreciate thing. the person that it comes from, right? That fuels me that even when that dude is not looking, that I'm doing all I can with our team because if that guy 
respects me enough to not only think of me or think of, of things that I've got in mind and then to speak about me and even be mentioned, he's trusting me that when he's not around, even though he's not even in the same company as you and I, he's trusting that I'm being a good dude right? and that I'm adhering to everything that I talk about. That's where integrity comes in, and that's where the le that level of integrity could be a core value. Mm -hmm. If it's expressed in that type of context to where it carries enough weight. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. So I'm thinking of like my fellow leaders and, and, and peers that much to know that they respect what I'm doing. I have to do the right and thing. And I think that naturally just comes through you, dude, because it's, it's not anything that you're saying. It's just a feeling. Like a lot of it can be like harsh, especially in the beginning for people when they're learning new things and they're not used to like personality to personality, you know, and it's hard for a lot of people to take in. But then I think they learn very quickly and it's nothing that you even say or do. It's just this underlying feeling. And I think, you know, maybe it's just with how authentic you talk, it's just super obvious that you care, man. And I think that's where a lot of people out there, a lot of leaders, a lot of business owners are going to fuck up because they're going to think, oh, I just need to be hard on people like the military. And then they're going to fucking listen. But their team is going to know that they're just being an asshole and they don't actually know what they're doing and they don't actually care. And they're just being an asshole because they think that's what you're supposed to do. They're wrong. They, they're wrong. They're wrong. Yep. Because I'm not always hard on everybody, right? Like, that's my next question. So that's okay. that's two part. Yep. Is how you're, you know when to push and you know when to pull back. You I think know, it's and, just emotional intelligence. Like, okay, you might be able to like feed yourself a little bit of bullshit, but if you're paying attention to the data and where and where people are putting their attention or their efforts, you know whether they're pulling some punches. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we give ourselves excuses and and we try to work our way out of a situation. And a lot of times when we're talking to our leader per se. We're thinking out loud and we're trying to process certain thoughts and and you can tell. And listen, man, you can tell when someone feels bad. Mm -hmm. Like we've had some people in business call us. Um, hey, so and so wanted me to call you. Here's what happened. I'm and and I'm sorry and whatever I can do, yada yada yada. And I'll go, Hey, you you're not the one that should be calling me. Your superior should be calling me mm -hmm. because this this whole mess up. I appreciate your apology and what happened, but this part of it was out of your control. And there's a system breakdown within the entire company. Right. And I am peers with the guy running your company. I'm not peers with you. And this person that's the leader should be taking accountability, not you. And this issue is bigger than you. Right. There was problems before you, and there's probably going to be problems after you, which means why should I throw that whole burden on you because you happen to be the one to get told to call. And she didn't expect that because you're, you're badass Will. She literally right? said on the phone, I wish you were more mad at me because I feel terrible. And I'm not going to mention her, but I said, listen, I can already tell you're super mad at yourself. Like I can, I, she's a good person, man. She tries hard. She would show up at our meetings when it wasn't even needed to just learn more. You know, she was really putting herself out there and taking on a ton. And, and when this happened, I could tell it mattered to her. And my biggest thing is, it's just impact. And then also making sure people understand the weight and the level of seriousness some things are. Well, dude, she was already speaking that to me. Mm -hmm. I could already tell that she carried that weight on her. So why, why am I going to just keep pushing that button? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't want to be a one trick pony. I don't want to be one dimensional and just be hard on someone. I said, I'm not, I'm just not, I said, listen, I'm, I'm not going to be mad at you like you want. I can already tell you're mad enough at yourself. Right. And I can tell that everything within your control, I trust that it, this isn't going to happen again. Mm -hmm. The only thing I'm upset about is everything else that was out of your control that your superior is not talking to me about right now mm -hmm. because he's also 
someone that I respect, someone that I see once a week that we we, we do a lot together, mm-hmm. and I expect that phone call. Right. I'm not going to take that on her. And I could just tell, man, within her emotions and with just who she is, everything she did for three months prior to a mistake, there were patterns of success. There was patterns of care. You know what I mean? So you're looking at the big picture versus an individual instance. right? I look at things toward people, man, when they're not even paying attention to themselves. Is that something that was intuitive to you or has that been developed as you know, as, as you've gone through your careers, I think there's some talent to it, which is why I was better at it. But it was also my lifeline, especially as a police officer. Mm -hmm. Like some of this stuff is not just, you know, military, man. Like you have, when you're a police officer on the street, you, you don't have people that just look bad that are wanting to shoot at you, man. Like where everyone like is running around with an AK looking like Osama bin Laden shooting at you. Right. Like, dude, when you're in the city, they're citizens for the most Mm -hmm. part. Right. Like they look like everyone else in that neighborhood. You don't know who to believe, but if you know your beat, if you know your area and you've been watching someone, you've been watching a lot of people and paying attention for months, Mm -hmm. you're going to start figuring out who's sketching, who's not sketching. If you're taking notes and someone's telling you something one time and a different thing another time, like you're going to figure it out, man. You know, you just got to apply yourself and pay attention. So, so yeah, man, I I carry that over to what we do now. And, and I could tell she, she still cares. She's that girl still, you know, cares a ton. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing, man. Sometimes people are, Overly apologetic because sometimes apologizing is like applauded nowadays and it also is a scapegoat and people have no problem articulating what they did wrong to be apologetic, but that can also become a pattern, right? And sometimes we just got to say, hey, you got to get fucking going, man. Like, you, you know, and sometimes people need a little swift kick in the ass, but it's more about the accountability. Like, hey, no, this is on you. And you've got to make that change. And sometimes when people feel the accountability, they know where that line's at, they start moving forward. And and here's a trend that I've seen, man. And this is why it's been so good for, you know, us to work as close as we have, mm-hmm. um, you know, the past couple of years, because I also observe a lot and there's not a whole lot of people like you, man. So it's been super fun. Um, you know, kind of like you mentioned, getting into industry, you'll kind of shut your mouth for a bit and observe and then just kind of see you know, how everything pans out before you speak on things. And and that's been me, you know, our first year of business, man. Like I'm shutting the hell up. I'm letting you do your thing. You, kind of. you be fucking will. And I'm yeah. going to sit back and watch. Cause you've, you've been through a lot of different experiences and, and I want to see how this plays out. And this is exactly why I wanted to work with you because let's see how this goes. Yeah. And but that's not entirely true. No. Like you're, so, you're discrediting yourself a little bit. Cause you do speak up more than you realize or right, more than right. you're saying. Well, and, and, and I, and I am more now because now I'm learning you and your, and why you do the things that you do. Right. And and that's, and that's really the big thing. And I think, um, you know, as we've had altercations, um, not altercations, that's the wrong word. No, not with us, but we're like with agent with, I'm a teddy bear fat. You fucking shut this guy up with, 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 and not altercations. That's the wrong word, but, um, you know, tough conversations with agents on the team, uh, accountability conversations. Hey, you fucked this up conversation. Um, Dude, every single one of those like conversations that's kind of peaked with an indiv- individual agent, the camaraderie after mm-hmm. that, their attachment to you, how they look at you, their perception of you, it only improves. Like it's well, never gone down. No. You know, like because well, they get to know you better. And and I think intent is the most powerful piece of mine is being proficient. Don't get me wrong, you gotta be fucking yeah. proficient. In addition to that, intent. 
So where your delivery is coming from, where what you want to say to someone is coming from, even if it has to be harsh because it's it's just needed. Yeah. Where it's coming from, and they know that you love them, and you care, and you want to be better, but they need that hard talk. Sometimes they do. However, here's what's so fun about like when I joined the Marine Corps. It's voluntary. This was not a draft. You signed up, right? I'm gonna fuck you up. Mm-hmm. It's my job, right? You signed up for this, Grimes, right? Mm-hmm. Now, less extreme is, is we'll call real estate. We're not mm-hmm. fucking anybody up here. However, look, man, we go over goals. We go over who you are as a person and who you want to be and what you're all about and what are your goals in real estate in addition to just numbers. I care about your number, right? I care about who you are because I know like who you are and what you're all about is going to get you to where you are. So when we're going through tough conversations with accountability meetings, I'm talking to you about what you want. I'm not putting some goal on you of like 50 deals a year. We reverse that. That, that means that equals 300 calls a day and all that stuff. And now I'm forcing something down your throat and a lot of parents do that right like they got to be a lawyer or a doctor or or you just got to go to college there's a lot of that but it's not necessarily at the best interest nor is it in the kids want correct well how we run our team and how how the the nature of our industry is is you chose to be here and then when you choose to be on the team and and we excuse me we interview and and all that good stuff and we go over it man i never tell you a number i never say you got to do 12 or more a year or you're gone no. no 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 Everything is literally predicated upon what you want for yourself. Right. And then when, and here's my only deal. I don't care if you do one deal a year, but how we care for people and how that process and how our clients are put first is not sacrificed. Bottom line. After that, I don't care if it's one deal or a hundred deals a year. That care is like mandatory, correct? We're putting Mm -hmm. people first and we're being proficient at our job. Done deal. Now, Anything else with an accountability of time blocking and how you're handling your calendar and, and how your follow-up is going or how, you know, how you're handling certain things, it's all predicated upon the goal that you want. Oh, I want to hit 24 deals a year. Or you're just not being proficient within the process, right? Like negotiations or, you know, you're not communicating well and now you got to put out a fire, but that fire could have been prevented. We're altering that. But again, getting better at the process once you have a client start to finish, that's going to mm-hmm. help, one, not only have you care better the next time for someone, but also be more proficient. Both of those lead to more deals because as you do better with that process, you get a ton of referrals from it. Right. And then you have that successful business. Right. So, but again, it's all rooted within what people want for themselves. Does that make sense? It does. And and what I think that shows again is when you, when you're having a harsh conversation with somebody, because it's based off of what they told you they wanted when they joined the team, they're like, damn, this guy really does care. Mm -hmm. Like this, this is what I said. He really does care. And I a do. lot of people, the number one thing they said when they joined our team is they want accountability. Mm-hmm. And now they're actually getting it. Oops. And very few people, very few grown adults ever feel that pit in your stomach of accountability, man. Like very few people, they'll yeah. apologize to their boss or something. They really internally don't give a fuck because it's not their company. It's their boss. Oh, I pissed off Bill today. They so, don't really care. Right. So but, let's get to team. So I'm, yes. I'm glad you said that because here's the deal. Walk away from yourself all day. You can switch teams, you can whatever. But when we have, we're teaching a class and we have accountability meetings, we have team meetings, we have certain things that we're doing together as a team. If you're not doing your individual part that overall contributes to the momentum and success of the team, yeah. you're now letting your peers down. You're not just letting mommy and daddy down and you don't ever have to see Will again or 
you don't have to see Eli again. There's peers that you've created a friendship with on the team. And they trust you and they call you and they ask for help and you ask them for help. And you're doing open houses together, mm -hmm. right? And you're cranking, you're having fun with that. And, hey, I want to go to a closing. And someone takes you to their closing. You're building that bond, which means holding up your end of the bargain is bigger than you now because someone's going to lean on you for motivation. Someone's going to lean on us, dude. Yeah. And that's right. So that's so again, that's where your culture starts building. And this is why, like, I can't for me, for my experience, for how I run things, I can't come out out of the gate just throwing core values out there because there's not enough weight behind them yet. But if we take a successful team that's hit top 1% in production mm -hmm. nationwide mm -hmm. and they sacrifice together, right? They, they lost sleep together. They were stressed together. They were worried about their identity together. They were worried about bills and, and where they're going to be in a year from now together. When we have a talk with them and we say, hey, out of everything we've done together, What's at the core of what we did right. that made us successful? And the people that are not here, what were they lacking? That was a piece of our core that led to them not being here. And you let them have a say in what your core value is. And here's my thing. Camaraderie is forged in adversity. You can apply that to combat. A lot of people have said that in the past. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, that's not my quote. This is, I'm taking that from years past, but a lot of guys that have come and gone through combat wasn't about politics. It wasn't about, you know, other stuff that you might think it is. It's about the guy to your left and your right, but the camaraderie was forged in adversity as in everything you were going up against and the level of sacrifice and the level of everyone needing to do their part to be successful forges that camaraderie. But here's the thing too, man, like, that's super true in business, mm -hmm. right? Like you and I broke as shit, mm -hmm. top ramen, sleeping in a basement, like whatever it is, but then super sacrificing, right? And going all in with each other, mm -hmm. relying on each other to do our parts and trusting in each other to go from that to where we're at now. Dude, there's a lot of adversity that comes with that. And I get it. Nobody's dying, but nobody has to, mm -hmm. you know, we don't need to like make a facade out of that stuff. It, it carries over. It applies its human nature. Any type of adversity that you can think of applies to that camaraderie, right? Mm -hmm. And it's fucking huge, which again is why when we reverse engineer this with our team soon and we talk about what was at the core of our success, dude, they bled with us in business. They trusted us when we were young. They're all crushing and kicking ass and their lives are better. Their families are better. Their financial situation is better. There's weight behind the conversation with them about core values Versus me just having some on a piece of paper for you when you walk in for an interview and I say, here's our core values. There's no weight. Those core values are as heavy as that piece of paper. Yeah, it means nothing. But when someone is sacrificed alongside of you and they've come out on top with you, there's so much weight behind right, that. Right. My friend, that's culture. Mm -hmm. Cultures. I mean, the word culture is such a disjustice, disjustice mm -hmm. to how you feel about that word. Like if I call you brother, you know, or if you and I celebrate something successful and we say, Hey man, great day. Or if we go through something tough together, or if you have a day where man, it was bad for you or something frustrated you and it's a, Hey dude, you do it for me. Don't worry about it. It's cool. Yep. You do it for me. And then you have done it for me. Those kind of things. It's like, dude, how do you put a word to that feeling? Well, we have to, we have to communicate it. And it's called, in the word, it's called culture. However, 
getting people to embrace that and exposing people to that rigorous of a transition and not everybody making it, it's going to create the feeling behind the word, which is what I think needs to come before you start throwing out core values. It does, and I think that helps a ton of people, um, the adversity aspect. This goes back to a few episodes ago talking about how you know, the power of broke and how a lot of negative things aren't actually negative. And for me, after witnessing so many conversations to where it was harsh, I'm like biting my knuckle sometimes like, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you know, and you just accounts getting overdrafted because our <laughs> bills were in your checking well, account. And like, <laughs> like, and like oh just shit. Ha- having these, <laughs> having these like, uh, you know, these confrontational conversations with people. But then when I get to see the outcome of that, Mm-hmm. I'm like, God damn, he's right. Camaraderie is forged in adversity. And then I think that becomes contagious to people. And then I yeah. think, you know, the agents that have those conversations with you and then they come out and, and see the light on the other side, that makes them able to have those conversations with their family, with other clients. And of course, they're different in different arenas, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of it, it calluses you up a little bit to be like, okay, I can handle some shit. I can handle this. Yeah, man. And when you're a part of something bigger than yourself and you know not everybody gets to stay there, Mm -hmm. when you know that that's been earned by a code, not by just some number, but by a code, you're proud. You wear that proud. You ever seen a Marine at a boot camp? Watch out, bro. Stiff as a board. Confident. Proud. Mm. He'll knife hand and slap the (laughs) shit out of you right out of boot camp, right? They might slap me. I might be so surprised that some fucking PFC smacks me because I'm walking in front of him in San Diego. I might go, God damn. I remember that. I might even let it happen. I might even go right on, double, (laughs) right? Just because, but, and and is there some arrogance? Of course, man. We're not going to dive into that. But everything those young Marines had to go through, and dude, you know what's fun, man? They don't give you your Eagle Global Anchor in front of your family. Mm. Mm. at the crucible your last little expo man is this big hike at the end of that three days and when you make it to the top of that you're in formation tired dirty pack on everybody lines up in formation and those drill instructors have been fucking you up for three and a half months come in front with a box and they go one by one and they shake your hand and they give you your eagle golden anchor how's that feel man amazing how's that feel it's amazing that's got to be crazy like this but dude the, that's been fucking you up yep, yeah. and then handing you that. And calls you Marine. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it's not in front of anybody else except for the people that earned it with you. Now, you still graduate in front of your family and everything, you know, and they, you do your salutes and, and your family gets to see you graduate. But at least during our time, like your, your family does not see that. They, you get your Eagle Global Anchor while you're out there with your guys that became Marines together. Mm-hmm. And you know what, man? There's an intimacy behind that. And you almost don't want other people to see it. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's some weight behind that. But again, even though you just became a Marine that day and everything is about honor and courage and commitment, Marine Corps, hold on a minute. It was subculture too because it was those four drill instructors that rode your ass and brought you up and didn't give up on you when you gave up on yourself that made you that in the first place. Right. But it was their interpretation of what they felt a Marine should be at that moment that got you there, not someone from World War II, not someone from Vietnam. And that's no disrespect to any generation. What I'm getting at is those guys were trusted by their their guys in front of them when they, you know, to adhere to making Marines. Right. But they've got to translate that in their in, in their perspective and their and then how and how they see a Marine. So that there's still that subculture that bleeds through everyone from the top down, but it's 
You're not thinking of Chesty Puller when you're in boot camp, mm -hmm. right? One of the most famous Marines. Okay, you're not. I'm not singing the Marine Corps hymn in my fucking dreams. No, dude, but I remember my drill instructors. I remember getting I, I remember getting my Eagle Globe and Anchor. Things like that, right? So you gotta find a way to, to regurg you know, to, to duplicate that. Now yeah. here's the deal. Okay. Will, great. I wasn't in the military. Or great. I was in the Marine Corps and it right. sucked. Right. Or I wasn't in the Marine Corps at all. I get it. However, right? This is why going through your own trials and tribulations first. This is why being successful at something first, making sure it's sustainable and making sure you have a model to duplicate it is so important because you're going to go through your trials and tribulations and you're going to battle fear. You're going to battle self-identity. You're going to battle putting clients first or trying to make a paycheck. Do I, oh, do I want to bring this up about the inspection or not? Right. Is it a big deal or not? Right. You're going to go through those as you create your process mm -hmm. and as you as you clear and get out of that tunnel and get and get to the other side on your own or with a business partner and you're successful at it and you realize that 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 can be sustained and then you go hey i think we're onto something i think we can duplicate it the biggest piece that's going to happen when you start putting people on your team is they're going to start going through what you went through if you can't speak to that you're wrong if you can't speak to that allowing people to be under you and trust you as a leader to bring them value, you've mistaken them. So this isn't about the Marine Corps. You know, I learned a ton and I had a man, I walked amongst giants, dude. I'm not even a big deal. They are. So that gave me a lot. However, you can listen to this podcast right now because I'm doing my best to have as much influence on everyone that I can. Mm -hmm. You could be listening to this right now and go, man, that's a good, that's some good shit. I get, okay, I get it. And you can literally start your process today. But before you go throwing that tie on, before you go jump on that fucking jet and taking photos and trying to attract people to your team and making it flashy, why don't you just go through it? Right. Why don't you just stay in the dirt, man, and go through the reality behind what people are going to go through mm -hmm. and what they're going to want from you as a leader and what they should expect from you as a leader before you ever put someone on that team. And I think, you know, Dude, you fucking lived your core values. Like you, like you live that shit mm -hmm. before ever expecting anyone else to. And I think that's something important too. I think, how, well, yeah. How I think else a lot. Lead? I think a lot of guys out there, they're flip flopping through the day. Their diet's fucked up. They don't mm -hmm. work out regularly. They don't actually keep themselves accountable to anything. But then they slap those. They don't have integrity. But then they slap. You know, consistency, integrity, customer care, but they don't actually do any of that in their real They're life. Managers. I think it's got to start with you first of all, mm -hmm. right? Start with you first of all. And then, like you said, as you start getting good at some things, you know, and, and then you, you have a proven level of success, then when you start bringing that into your team, they're going to be able to see if you're full of shit or not. And guess what? It's actually less stressful. Yeah. You start getting people on your team, whatever your business is, whatever you want to build oh shit, people are coming on board and you, you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to learn and lead at the same time and you're faking that funk, dude. You got one shot at your word. Right. More times than not, right? You got one shot at being good to your word. And when people find out you're full of shit, this is where social media in different places can expose you. This is not the olden days where like someone doesn't like you but she can move to another town and do another thing. No, man, mm -hmm. your word matters. Right. So just like I went broke, right? I get rid of cars, I get rid of trucks, I sleep in the basement. 
even though I was struggling with my identity and, and certain things and fear, true. But dude, I also slept at night well, right? Because I didn't have so much stress or obligation on me. I minimized. So when you're, when you're wanting to start a team or start a business, not adding pressure of other people's expectations onto you. So not shouldering that last shot at the game. Don't, so let me give you an analogy. If you're that rookie, if you're Kobe Bryant and you're on your sixth game in the NBA, I bet Gary Fisher takes that shot, okay? Not you. Mm. However, you shouldn't expect yourself to take that shot, and you shouldn't be raising your fucking hand. Now, if you got, now I get it, sports, if, you, if you're open, there's other circumstances, I get it. But staying true to the, to, to the example I'm trying to give right now, let's say that's not the case. Man, you're so new. Just learn from as many people as you can and then just stick to your practice. Stick to learning the fundamentals. Stick to learning how you work on the court with that team and making sure that what you can do, you can duplicate it. And then when you start running the team, hey, is, is how I see the defense, is how I see the offense, can I duplicate that and communicate it with what the coach wants? Then at that point, man, you've done enough to command the last shot at mm -hmm. the end of the game. And that's the part that pisses me off is everybody wants that to be the guy – shooting the last shot of the game in business flashy and, and they're the whatever their shit doesn't sink the audacity that some people have to have the expectation that they should have the last shot at the game at the end of the game dude it's borderline fucking criminal you 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 shouldn't command that and if you have any respect for people you know you would see that and in addition dude nobody's expecting you to do that in business like hey you're over there raising your fucking hand Nobody made you make a team. Nobody made you have people trust in you and then start giving you expectations and you put it back on them. Mm -hmm. No, man, you chose. So if you're going to take that step, start it right and start that foundation right and don't worry about the last shot mm -hmm. at the game. Don't No, man, like the command and the respect that you need to, to even have someone respect the fact that you want that shot is huge. Just learn your process. Be super good at it. Make sure it's sustainable. Then make sure you can duplicate that. And then at mm -hmm. that point, man, if, if that shot doesn't work out, I bet you bounce back really strong because you've got a really good core foundation and you've got really good fundamentals to bounce back from something that maybe you didn't expect. Or that entire city, like Peyton Manning throws an interception and loses the game for the Broncos. If you hate Peyton Manning that day, you're just not a football fan. I don't care if you're a Bronco fan. If you want to call that guy a piece of show, fucking Peyton. Listen, if you're a football fan, if you're a people fan, if you're a leader fan, and you understand the impact that that guy's had, listen, dude, the amount of weight behind what he just did, and even though a mistake happened, and how he's going to bounce back, and what he's accomplished in his career, and the poise that he's done it with, admirable, mm -hmm. right? But I think people need to understand, respect, have more respect for everybody else, if right, versus... Right wanting to like have everybody follow you, make sure you figure it the fuck mm -hmm. out kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's huge. Let's touch on those people, man, that, you know, they're listening to this and they're like, hey, I'm just a guy. I don't run a team. I'm not part of a company. I just got a wife and some kids, man. Oh, let's talk about that type of... Well, one, I, I appreciate you listening to the podcast if we're, if we're staying hypothetical, uh -huh. right? If you're that guy. One, I bet you've got some really good self-awareness and I bet you're comfortable in your own skin, which I think is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And you don't want a team and you, and you go to work and you do your thing and great. But... And you're great at your job, but you're not a leader. You go in and you do what you're expected to do and you go home. Dude, I admire people like that because of the self-awareness and then just taking the pride of being good at your job. And then... Right? Surprise, surprise... 
you are a leader and you are developing culture. You may just not know it. True. But I think for that kind of guy, if he's putting his his effort in at work and he's doing all the right things and he's doing a great job, I think that that's going to bleed through at home. And this is why Marines lead from the front. And this is why leading by example is part of what builds a culture. Mm -hmm. I I love telling my kids what to do. And I love if if my daughter gets in trouble and I want to go back and explain it to her. Cool. But as they get older and smarter at some point, man, like you got to make sure that whatever you're expecting, you're super proficient at it with yourself, you know? And I think a lot of times, you know, and and dude, some guys that go to work and they're just, they do what they're expected and, and they're cool with that. I've got a lot of friends like that. Phenomenal dads. Where I see, just personally, so this is an attack on anybody. This isn't, well, I don't see that, Will. Great. Cool. I get it. I'm staying in my lane. Sometimes what I see is the guys that slip most are the guys who are leaders at work. Right. I saw it a lot. Uh, in, I saw it a lot in police officers. They were phenomenal at making decisions on the street and conflict resolution with with domestic violence or just community community conflict and different things. Man, they were phenomenal at it. But you get exhausted and you've left nothing in the tank for coming home. Mm-hmm. And when you come home, you don't want to make any decision. Honey, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. Hey, where do you want to go with the guy? I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I kind of don't blame you. I get yeah. You've been making yeah. decisions all day. High risk, low risk, annoying, whatever. And you're good at your job and you take pride at it, but you haven't created a system that's sustainable. Right. To sustain, right, when you go home and, and when you've got to like, hey, man, you got to put that hat on. And sometimes we get so comfortable with our families, we get complacent. I think a lot of people just aren't aware like, you ever get? Dude, you ever fart in front of your wife? Let's get a little lighthearted. You ever fart in front of your wife? All the time. All right, you're complacent because at first you didn't want to fart in right. front of her. Why didn't you maintain that, bro? I so don't go. I lot. farted in front of her date one. Oh no, I'm not saying that. Okay, good, dude. For probably the first year, so Megan lived with her mom at this apartment complex uh, right across the street from a grocery store by Tammy Lynn. And I uh, trailer park joke. I would <laughs> whenever I was like spending the night over at Megan's. Yeah. I would literally, I wouldn't even fart at her house, bro. I would have to like, I would go, if I had to like go number two, I would go across the street to the yeah. grocery store to pick up something for breakfast or pick up some random drink that I didn't actually need just so I could use the restroom at the grocery store. <laughs> Fat, could you imagine this fucking dude leaving his girlfriend's house like that was a six year. times? That was a Six year, times dude. a night? Like, hey, where's your ADD boyfriend going? Yeah, that was a year, Hilarious. Man. Yeah. Okay, but now you're complacent. Yeah. Or or comfortable there. Okay. In that aspect, right. And I'm being funny. I'm being lighthearted. But let's let's take this back into context here. Sometimes we're with our families for so long and we're together that we forget to produce. We forget yes. like our responsibilities as a partner and that hey, yes, it we do need to decompress at home. Yes, we need rest. Yes, sometimes we vent to our partners because that's our safe haven. But a lot of times we don't take care of our safe haven. And our safe haven becomes our place of comfort. That then goes even further and becomes our place of complacency. Mm-hmm. And we are not aware of our responsibilities at home. And man, that complacent and, and man, when you complacent in combat, complacent on the street as an officer, complacency with your family, like, man, that is a dangerous word. There's there's very few words that are just dangerous across the board, right? Some of them can be subjective and whatever, right? Complacent. Ugh. It's it, it's yeah, dangerous. It's a bad and word. but man. Here's the other thing. Our partners tend to get complacent too. So yeah. if I'm not holding up my end of the bargain, yeah. but then my partner 
if Kate's not holding up her end of the bargain, I'm not even noticing it as much, or it's hard to say anything because I don't either. It's just, so when you go home, whether you're that guy that you're talking about, like, hey, he's just a guy, which is, by the way, no one's just a guy, right? You can mm -hmm. own your job, that's the, man. And that's the whole point of why I brought that up. Good. Because like no it. one is just a guy. Right. You're a fucking leader. You're building culture. Yeah. Whether you know it or not. Well, you're tr so the very good point. So as a father, right? And we're only and we're not saying that moms don't have the same impact. Moms can have a greater impact. Don't get me wrong, man. I my mom is awesome. She talks more than I do. No, I talk more than she does. But she talks a lot, and you know, and it, my mom is phenomenal. And my mom is a, is a lot of where my point of view comes in. Even though I don't talk to her every day, or sometimes, you know, I treat her like Tosh treats me. Like I don't got twenty minutes for that call. I'm not, <laughs> I'm yeah, not answering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I get it. But it doesn't mean that I don't think about my mom every day. It right. doesn't mean that a lot of, you know, her efforts and leading by example haven't impacted me extraordinarily. They do. A man. lot of times moms create the culture in the home more, more so than the fathers. Oh, 100%. Right. So, again, when I, you know, just to be clear here, like when I'm talking about being a father and going home, I'm only speaking to them because that's my perspective. Right. right. I can give an opinion on Kate and what I think of her, which is phenomenal, but I can't necessarily speak directly to it. Yeah. So, but as a parent, right, and as a father, you're right. You're going to go home whether you like it or not. If you got mm -hmm. kids and you're responsible for them, right, like you're creating lack of or culture mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. And this does, man. This well, it's a culture, whether dude, it's a good one or a bad one, and it's here's a culture. The, dude, go expand. Yeah. Gentlemen that decide not to raise their kids, you created a culture. Yes, you did. There was a There is a huge culture epidemic across the board with fatherless kids in America. Mm -hmm. And it was, and it's acceptable and it's not, it should not be acceptable. But I feel like just from what I've seen, and I'm only staying in my lane, it's all, it's almost become acceptable for, for a guy to do that. Mm -hmm. However, that kid has to grow up and that kid is here, like it or not. And that kid is growing up in something or lack of something like it or not. And we've created a culture and you've seen some of that culture act out in professional sports. And when those kiddos become adults, they're not handling their business mm -hmm. how they should as an adult, right? And man, and I'll leave it at that because I'm not trying yeah. to get stuck in some political bullshit, whatever it may be. But man, it's culture, yeah, or lack of, yeah. which becomes like a, I guess, a black-hearted culture, yeah. whatever yeah. it may be. You know, yeah. a black-hearted as in, you know, just it's no good energy around it, yeah. right? Yeah. But you're right, you know. And for everyone that does take care of their kids, you know, it's one thing to be a parent. Yeah. It's another to be a good one. Well, and and, you know? and something that I want to touch on too, like you can even be a phenomenal parent, but understand that as our team watches us and they watch our content and mm -hmm. they see, are they doing what they're telling us to do? Your kids, if you're getting mad at your kid for having a, you know, a breakdown tantrum inside of the grocery store because you won't get them the bubble gum or balloons or whatever, if they're having a breakdown there and you're trying to scold them, but then when you guys are going out to dinner or the movies and little Billy can't find his shoes and little Tina has her socks on her ears or some shit and you're losing your goddamn mind because you're five minutes late for a movie, mm. what does that tell your kids? You don't understand they're watching you and you're the leader and that's the culture you're building. Well, why can't they find their shoes, Dad? <laughs> Great point. Okay, like maybe, point. maybe prior to that movie, maybe for the last five years of raising them, there's some patterns you can put yep. in there to make sure that... They put their shoes and things where they're yep. supposed to go. Right. So they're prepared. Right. Um, you know, I'm huge on that. But but you're right. So emotional management. 
I'm looking at our last two points for today. See, I knew you wanted to talk about that, yeah. and I gave you a little segue. I saw you eyeing my notebook. I gave, that, your, I gave that little segue and right there. you take credit for it. I Get your that. own fucking notebook, Eli. <laughs> wow. Honesty, integrity. Uh, dude, I know. I would spend half the time reading and not actually listening. I get it. Yeah. Nope, I get it. No, and honestly, this is one I wanted to ask questions, man. Like this is this is your jam, Look, dude. Man, that's like, not that's not fair. I don't like that. It's don't self, put me on that. It's selfish for me. I well, wanted to ask questions. You're right. It's selfish for you, and then you're mm-hmm. you're you're putting me on a pedestal that I don't deserve. No, right? I did, well, I have some things that I'm good at, but listen, yes. man, you're discrediting you're discrediting some conversations that were great that you and I have had the past year. Or man, I've learned some really good stuff from you with where I shouldn't put my energy and. And hey, man, do you think they're going to be right? Like, there's been mm-hmm. some people, man, I've mm-hmm. wanted to really like preach to and then put some energy into them. And you're just like, hey, man, I don't think they fucking care. And I'm like, you're right. And then you're like, hey, smoke this blunt, <laughs> <laughs> being funny and stuff like that. But listen, uh, man, you know, one thing that I I gained from you is like, yeah, dude, all this leadership stuff, it's great, and, I, and I'm I'm super super blessed for the people I've had in my life, but. You've been with civilians a lot longer than I have, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're like that subject matter expert on just society to almost a better perspective than me, which means like when I've got you to fall back on, when we're a pair, I got to bounce that perspective off of you, which just keeps me within my rails. So no, man, you are kind of being selfish right now. And I definitely, I definitely don't appreciate, but don't, 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 you know, don't deserve that pedestal at all. Not even a little bit, because again, I'm taking all of these things, but I can only take it from my backgrounds, or I can only take mm-hmm. it from my experiences, from what I've done. And I've been around some high-level people. And rest assured, law enforcement and, and the Marine Corps and, and things I've experienced operate on a different wavelength, okay? There's there's different codes of ethic. There's different thick-skinnedness and, and right. ways of handling things that are, that are not acceptable. I'm not saying wrong. Not wrong at all. Not acceptable in today's society right we'll, we'll put it that way right so i've had to work on my delivery i've had to work on you know right because good initiative bad judgment kind of thing right like it doesn't matter how much you care if people only see you as the asshole right okay now you've they've just tuned you out right huge so you know just being fortunate to have you where okay maybe i bring a lot of leadership tools right but you you just knowing civilians and being around society a lot longer than me it's a good guiding light and, and getting back to a Peyton Manning, not that I'm Peyton Manning, so don't don't get crazy if you're watching this. I'm not. But to give a good analogy, it's like Peyton Manning going from the Colts to the Broncos, right? He went from the Colts, and then he had surgery, and he's had all these great tools of leadership and, and studying film and all this shit. And then he goes to a completely different playbook. West Coast offense, completely different style of playing football. They play outside most of the season. They don't play in that dome in Indy and other, and other domes in their division. So he had all these great tools but a completely different playbook and field of play and style, right? So I bet, man, I bet he leaned on his quarterback coach and he leaned on his head coaches and defensive co- just everyone to make sure that his tools mm-hmm. were were in the right direction mm-hmm. and used the right way. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. So not that I'm Peyton Manning and not that you're you're a black football coach or no, excuse me, it was uh, what's his name from the Panthers, white guy, um, being funny. So not not that we're that level. I'm not even saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, you know, I I get to be in a really good comfort zone, mm-hmm. and I get to really get to get I really get to to get in my in my in my zone and, and comfortable in my own skin, because you do have that perspective of society and and just how people have been working in the civilian world, and a lot of your judgment has helped me, right? Well, Long winded, but man, well, that's there's just got to be credit to that, and I can't just be this guy that's like gun ho and 
and came out of the military. Now I'm just whipping ass and and, and doing awesome yeah. in the civilian world. No, yeah. man, that's not true. And I don't want that perception. The value behind being able to run things across to you and the value behind just bouncing those ideas off of you or just when you speak up when it's needed. And man, you might not think it's a huge deal because that's your wheelhouse. Mm. I don't think my wheelhouse is a big deal, right? Yeah, it's just, no, hey, I got man, you. this is just who I am. You're just, you're watering down a lot of things that really keep me it well, within a good direction, right? Well, and I think, you know, what, um, what, what people need to realize about you, like what they see on the surface is not you at all, dude. Like <laughs> I think people will talk to you for 10 seconds and then they're like, oh, okay, I got them figured out. But then they talk to you for 20 seconds and they're like, wait, mm. huh? And then they talk to you for two minutes and like, <laughs> I don't know what to think right now. Maybe. Um, but something that's important about you to realize is that like, yeah, for as much as you talk, you fucking listen. And then not only do you listen, but you dwell on shit and you think about shit and you replay shit and you interpret shit for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like someone will say something to you in a conversation or I'll bring something up or you'll say something to somebody. You'll, you know, you'll, you'll see what the outcome was. And then you're dwelling on that and interpreting that and analyzing that. I think is the word I was looking for. You're analyzing that mm -hmm. for a long time and saying, hmm, was this right? Could I change this? Did this have the impact I thought it would? People don't do that. And I'll give you some civilian insight. People don't think about shit, dude. <laughs> Words come out of their mouth and they don't think about the weight that it has. They don't think about the, the potential outcomes of it. It's a very unique type of person that does that, especially to the healthy level that you do it. The, the only time you see that really in civilian world with normal people, I'll say, are the people that do it in a terrible way. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this guy said this to me. I should have said this and this and this. That's, That's the, the only time people like circle shit in their head. Right. Outside of that, you analyze every conversation you have. Mm -hmm. Other people don't do that, dude. And I think, and I'm getting better at that. Like mm -hmm. I have to, like I'll shower at night before bed and I purposefully like take that shower time to think, okay, what were my conversations I had today? And I, and I learned that from you. And that's where I think a lot of this stuff it can be developed, you know, it, it can be developed. When you create a process for yourself, it, that's where it no longer, because let's get back to emotions and I'll kind of mm -hmm. correlate this together. Yeah. And this is a, this is a, a Tosh thing, right? He's talked about this on his podcast. So I'm not, I'm not definitely not taking credit for it, man. I, I this is one of the things that, you know, he's spoken about that really, I've really taken, taken to heart and, and managed for a while now. And that's allowing your emotions to have that majority vote during the time you're making decisions. Mm -hmm. And just understanding that perspective changes when you have time to settle down. Or even if you're not riled up, just marinating on some stuff. Right. You know, and just kind of seeing how things kind of play out and whatever it may be. But when you're talking about like your shower and, and man, I think so that's Marine Corps, mm -hmm. right? We do what's called an after action report mm. on fucking everything. Mm -hmm. Right. For the day, if you're if you're training and you're going through squad leaders course, if you're with your team in the field and you're just training with your unit, man, every day you're gonna have an after action report on man, what's working? What's not working? What could we do better? Right. What no longer needs anything? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and if it doesn't need anything, it doesn't mean it's negative. Maybe you're just so proficient at something. Hey, great. So, Kobe, you're awesome at dunking. We can skip that for two days and work on something mm -hmm. else, and you're going to be fine. You're still going to dunk, right? Kind of like that, man. Like, if, we, if you get super proficient at things, it's like, all right, cool. What needs work? Mm -hmm. Like, what can I maybe put on the shelf for a couple of minutes or for a couple of days and and really focus on something else with the team. But if you look at it, when you start thinking about after action reports, you go, well, yeah, you can after action report everything mm -hmm. all the way down yeah. 
to every conversation you right. have. Right. So when we have an accountability meeting with a with a team, right? Mm-hmm. Agent by agent by agent. In between, you know, each agent coming through, you're already starting to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. And how they're reacting and and if, if you felt like it's settled. And maybe you don't know. Maybe you're like, hey, are they really taking what I'm saying to heart? Would they have the right delivery? Well, here's the other thing. You're not always going to have the answer right away. Yeah. Watch how they react for a week. Yeah. Watch how they react for a month. This is what I get back to, like, the whole fart thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Farting a funny mm-hmm. girl. Like, listen, people can, oh, yeah, no, I get it. And people can act, oh, okay, and everything's great. Look, man, you're not going to hold that for a month. Right. I'm fucking watching for a month. I'm fucking watching for a year. So I'm going to see where there's a break in that pattern. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to start to recognize it, you know, and we've had agents before where they tend to wear, they tend to mirror the emotion of the client. Right. And then we've, we've addressed that. And, and now we've got agents crushing, but they, they didn't even realize they were doing it. Right. They just, they become so people pleaser when someone's happy, they want to share that happiness. And when there's someone sad, their client is sad. They want to be sad and, and point that finger somewhere versus understanding that we've got to manage people's emotions. You've got to manage your own first. Mm-hmm. You got to do that with your family and with mm-hmm. your team. You know, so again, it's a great tool. And I think, again, this is why it's not just Marine Corps. Man, I, I've said it so many times. I'm blessed that you're not. I'm blessed that you're a civilian, right? Because I've learned a ton. I get a different perspective. You have a lot more to say because you've been around civilians a lot longer than I have, which is great. And you are naturally gravitating to an after-action report where you get to clear your head. Dude, mm-hmm. I do a ton of thinking in the shower, mm-hmm. right? You naturally gravitated to that. So what does that mean? Like, oh, well, shit, where did after action reports come from? A human. Yeah, right. Someone reflecting right. on their day and like, right. fuck, man, how do we get better? If your want is there, your integrity is there, like your effort to be better is there, mm-hmm. I think naturally you start gravitating to things. And just because someone already has already had the idea, you're not copying anybody. You you naturally gravitated to a process where you could clear your head. Right. I used to do that driving a lot. Yep. And I got a family. I don't. I can't just go drive for two or three hours anymore and enjoy some some music and and just clear my head. I got a family, but well, where's my downtime in the shower? I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to that. Like you get a minute and you're, you get your 20 minutes in the shower and you get to clear your head. All of a sudden, that's where your after action report starts bleeding through, and you're a civilian. Yeah. So again, man, it's just it's just human nature. Yeah. When your qualities are in the right place, and and you have to, and people have to be real careful because I think where you know, people started deviating from doing that is when you come home, well, you listen to the radio, sitting in traffic, pissed off at the guy that almost cut you off and <laughs> your mind's preoccupied with that. And then you get home and you crack a beer and you turn on TV and you're just distracted and absent-minded. You're doing everything you can to not focus on the day and work. When in reality, if you took 10 minutes, 20 minutes and on that way home, turn down the music. Mm-hmm. You know, just be in traffic and then just recall everything that happened from the day. Work that stuff out. You're going to get home so much more clear headed and then you're you probably could. not going to feel the need to go and distract yourself. Maybe. But or, fi- find those little five, 10 minute moments. I think that's more accurate. What you just said, find the five or 10 minute or 20 minute moments, because like for guys like you and I, man, my, my drive home is filled with phone calls. Exactly. Or so emails. So for us, it's shower so or whatever. So that's what, so yep. I think what's most important, right, is just have a system in play. Yes. And just give that some care and some thought. And even if it's, even if it's just for, you know, for the sake of your family, you know, mm-hmm. I think you should have those in play. And especially if you're a leader and you've got two phases, this is like our last thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. for the evening, you know, for, for a fun Friday night and a, and a crazy busy week. A lot of ups and downs this week, but boy, did we end on a really good up. You know, we've got a lot of accomplished, but this is what it comes down to, especially when you're having a hard time 
or when you're, you're rubbed thin or you're, you're stressed or you're overexposed. Leadership as a choice or as an obligation? Obligation is going to be there as a phase. So if you choose to own a business, you now have an obligation as a leader right. to subordinates, yep. right? Or if you choose to have a baby, mm-hmm. right, you now have, whether you're there or not, man, whether somebody cuts, cuts you from your responsibility and you don't ever have to be around, you have an obligation to be a leader. And when we start feeling you know, sorry for ourselves or when we start doing things like that, man, it's a dangerous, slippery slope. But I think a lot of times people slip because it's, they're complacent, man. Yeah. I think when people come home and they want to crack a beer and, and watch some TV, I, I have faith in humanity. I think people are good people, especially for the most part, mm-hmm. right? I think what happens is they are complacent. They come home and they're, you know, they just want to decompress from the day and they don't realize how much they're not giving right. their kids attention or right. how much they're not giving their partner attention and how much you can actually still decompress, but then have that after action report in your head for the day and then still get back to your family. Mm-hmm. And it, I correlate this to like diets. Hey, people don't realize how much you can actually have a cheat meal and eat shitty That's food right. if you've got a system in play on a regular basis to eat mm-hmm. super clean. No, mm-hmm. you can actually have two or maybe even three little cheat meals a week and be super productive if you're actually doing what you're supposed to with your time. That's so true, man. Right? Like it doesn't take much for the after action report. It doesn't make much. It doesn't take much to understand that you you have an obligation as a leader. If you have a family, I think we're just tweaked. I think we're just not paying attention to it. But if that, someone yeah. takes that minor tweak and goes, "Man, I do have an obligation to my kiddos," or "I do have an obligation to this," yep. and, and you get refocused, you get readjusted, and you, and, and you reframe how you're thinking, you're you're right back on track. I don't think people are missing by that far. Mm-mm. But here's the deal, right? Like, let's talk about shooting. Like if you and I are this close, right, and I'm trying to hit center mass on you, and let's say I'm an eighth of an inch off. Okay. Okay, an eighth of an inch off here is an eighth of an inch because I'm using that. Mm-hmm. But what's an eighth of an inch over the course of 300 yards if it keeps traveling, right, if right, it right. keeps traveling in that direction, correct? Mm-hmm. And then 500 yards, mm-hmm. 1,000 yards, mm-hmm. 1,500 yards. How big is that? So take those yards and apply that to your day. If you're an eighth of an inch off where you're not intentional with being a bad dude, and I don't think a lot of guys are, but you're not necessarily compartmentalizing and, and having some good processes to attack your day or then be productive at home. So maybe you're just off with a couple thoughts. But if those yards are days, right, and it's 100 days, that turns into 365 days, that turns into 500 days where you're just off, here's the deal. A miss is a miss. Mm-hmm. If it's an eighth of an inch or if it's three feet off, hit or miss. And if you're missing, you're missing, and those days start to compile. And then we wonder why our relationships aren't where they should be. Or, man, just bringing it to someone's attention. Like if you're seeing it in someone, bringing it up appropriately. Like yeah. those things matter when it comes to, again, choice and obligation. I think people need to understand, you know, where that comes from. And, if you're frustrated with yourself, and we've been talking about this a little bit lately too, man. If you're if you're frustrated with yourself, if you're not happy, you know, with where you're at, that weighs on you. Like stress weighs on you a lot, right? And and guys, I'm only speaking about guys because I I can relate to guys, right? But but just pe- I guess people in general, just I'm not where I think I should be. I'm not who I think I should be by now. And I oh I thought differently. I thought this and I thought that. We talked about this today. Stop being scared of the boogeyman. The boogeyman is not real. So when you're thinking like, oh, I should have been here by now in life or 
I, I thought I'd be a lot more successful and, or I thought I'd be doing this, but I'm doing this, whatever it may be. This isn't who you are. This is where you're at. Yeah. But you're here and you have an opportunity. And if you keep letting these thoughts consume you, they do become your reality. You aren't the person you think you're supposed to be, but that thought gets so dangerous. You actually think there's that being somewhere yeah. and you're not him. Not true. You are who you are and, it, it, and, and where you're at, right? Like it's not who you are forever. It's where you're at. But if you focus on some of these things we've talked about today, if you focus on your process, you're going to get where you need to be, you know? And, and man, you know, I'm 34, dude, we're having a great time mm-hmm. and I'm comfortable in my skin and I'm, and I know enough to know I don't know shit, mm-hmm. right? I'm so open-minded at 34. It's not even funny, but the fact of the matter is you, we got guys that are thinking about themselves that are eight years younger than us. Yep. But imagine, yep. imagine them getting a hold of that right now and where they're going to be in eight years Bro, when they're got, our age. You got 13 year olds. Yeah. Thinking about that. Look at the suicides with 13-year-olds, man. It's dangerous. They're thinking the same shit. And it's a huge deal, and that's something that I just don't even have context to yeah. speak on, right? It's just it. I super, I, I, I fear yeah. for kids because of that, man. And, and again, I, I, I've, I haven't been directly around any kid of that age that's ever committed suicide or that's going through some stuff right now. I just, you know, I haven't been a cop for a long time. I was around that when I was mm-hmm. a cop. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to it lately, you know, but I fear for kids and and it just makes me want to do the best that I can with, with the kiddos that we have and just yep. understanding that they have to make their own decisions. And But embracing some of those harsh realities in life will give you perspective on um, are you being present at home to do all you right. can to make sure when your kids are exposed to social media or the Internet or when they are exposed to bullying, yep. if that happens, that they speak up or that if kids are doing drugs or whatever it is, that they have enough fundamentals from you yeah. day in and day out and being yeah. present that they make the right decision when yeah. you can't make it for them. Dude, and that's that, all I care about. And that's why I think, you know, a platform like this for us to talk and just there, share our thoughts and be totally open is so important, man, because there's a lot of people that do have you on a pedestal and do think, hey, fucking Will's got it all figured out. And then when they, and then when they hear you say all this yeah. stuff and they're like, man, like we are all a lot. We, we, we're all just trying to figure this fucking out. Well, and this is why I can't. Like, I don't, it's not like I'm against credit. I'm not, man. I, I appreciate when you or, or, or anyone else that's, that's someone I respect uh, throw me a shout out. Now, I respect it and I do appreciate it. I just won't let it go to a level where it becomes untangible mm-hmm. or it mm-hmm. becomes like, well, you're this, you were this in the Marine Corps. So, like, no, man, I didn't even know how to swim before boot camp. Dude, right. I was a swim call four. Here's the deal, okay? I probably wouldn't have been a swim qual four in the eighties when there was no war going on. What's that? What's a swim the qual lowest, four? The lowest swimmer possible. I was a goddamn rock. I mean, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, you shouldn't be caught. Motherfucker, <laughs> I'm the goddamn rock, hey? You shouldn't be the rock. Here's the deal. If I went to the Marine Corps when it was not during a time of war, maybe they failed my ass. I don't know. I felt like I was that bad at it, okay? Yeah. But Look, we're fighting in the desert. We need Marines to fight war. Yeah, fuck it. He swims. <laughs> like, I guess I drowned slow enough, so it worked. But I had to get myself into swim call too to, to be a, to be, you know, attached to certain SOCOM units. Uh, and I, dude, I sucked at it. I, my mom. I joke all the time. She was a fucking hippie, dude. Like, she got mad when when we watched Lion King in fifth grade because it was premeditated murder. Uh, and I love my mom. I'm joking. However, I'm not. Like, I never shot a rifle till boot camp. So I do. I do like when people understand that I don't have a magic pill. I wasn't mm. talented at everything that I did. I just, mm. I really believed in what I wanted to be, Right. you know, and I try and super hard, but now I think at 34 and I've been as successful in business, I think now I have a great perspective on how hard you can try at something before you give up. 
and how hard you can try at something and be open-minded to, to just teaching and being resourceful to be around the right people to be super successful because it happened in the military and had a great time with it. It happened when I was a cop and I was super successful at it and it's happening in business and I'm super successful at it. And I'm starting to realize, man, there's a, just a, just a level of commitment and just deciding to do something, man. Like when you, like there's power behind a choice. Yeah. You might not think so, but just choosing to do something and the level of commitment and effort and dedication and, and borderline like being neurotic toward it. You'd be surprised how successful you can be at it. And before you say it's not your thing, man, how hard have you tried? And here's the deal. That's not entirely my credit. I had amazing Marines around me from start to finish that wouldn't let you quit on yourself. Mm -hmm. Get your bitch ass back in that pool. You're right, like, right, right. No, I never said no like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm yeah. being funny. Yeah. Right. But from boot camp level on, right, like even when you thought about giving up on yourself, they didn't let you. And here's what that taught you. When you think you're done, you're not. Yeah. Right? But now I want to be that beacon for other people when I can. When people think they're done, I want to be like, hey, you're not. Right. I'm not letting you. Like, not like they yeah. did in the Marine Corps, but I really want to just shed some light. And I, and I, I, I'm, you know, I'd like to think that I've moved on from the Marine Corps and I've, and I've learned how to be successful. And mm -hmm. I'm not just holding on to that like the guy wearing his high school letterman jacket at 35 years old. No disrespect. A little bit. <laughs> right? A little bit. <laughs> but I like to, man, you got to move on from yeah. it. And you got to go better yourself and you got to be more than just the Marine Corps. You do. But I do like to think that I'm proud about what guys did for me when I was there that allowed me to see those things in myself. Right. I get proud when I can help people see that in themselves. I feel right. like it's now my responsibility to really get people to that level and make sure that they're they're accountable to themselves. And when you break and you don't think you have anything left, but then we don't give you a choice and you become successful, you just prove that to yourself. Yeah. And now you've really learned how hard you can you can work at something. And then guess what? What if that person we taught that to is a father? Now you have context to talk about your to talk about something to your kid that's chasing his dreams. Yes. If you not, if you just frowned upon everything, if you fail at everything, or if you, you've always given up on yourself and you've never had the blessings of having someone around around you like that, now when your kid wants to do the same thing, what are you going to say? Anything encouraging you say can't be first person because mm -hmm. you've never done it. Yep. So and, now and when your kid it. is afraid yeah. or when there's risk involved, now you're going to buckle like your kid's buckling. Right. And guess what? You're allowing your emotions to have mm -hmm. the majority vote and you're not shouldering what you should shoulder as a father. So, man, it, it goes so it's such a domino effect and it goes so deep. And I think if people understand that, right, like they'll understand how much weight and how much impact that they do carry in this world. And you'll start having a better direction with like where it matters. Mm -hmm. Right. You throw a comment out to social media. Nobody sees it or gives a shit or they just make fun of you. But your direct circle with your family, your sphere of influence with your employees or people that you're a part of because you are one of the employees, but you just take pride in doing your work, you have more impact with your subculture in what you choose to, around, to surround yourself with than you realize. And that's why I've never chased down a Berkshire model to start talking to everybody about. Mm. I stay focused and I stay relevant with making sure that we adhere to what they want in, the, in, in Berkshire overall, but I stay focused on where we're relevant because our agents, man... They see us every day, not Warren Buffett. And I know at some point those become hoop dreams and they're, right. they're unrelatable as far as financially, who relates to Warren Buffett financially, mm -hmm. but they relate to us. 
and they've climbed this with us, which is where that camaraderie and that adversity come through, which means that's where we have impact and accountability every day, which then bleeds into people's families. Right. If your right. mind's right, right, you know. So, man, it's a fun Friday. I think it's been a huge, you know, fun topic. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's one that's needed. Um, and it's one where I've I've had a lot of fun complimenting you when you don't want to compliment and, and you and you gracefully you know, say, hey, I just want to learn some shit from you, man. And like, fuck that, bro. Like, it's been fun to go, look, dude, maybe I'm more loud than you, but I really want to, like, just highlight before we get off tonight. I really want to highlight, no matter how strong you think you are or how confident you think you are, how go-to, charge, face of the brand, whatever Mm -hmm. you think you are, look, man, like, the team that you're putting yourself around and the guys that are in it with you that are allowing you to make those kind of decisions, do they matter, you know, and for you and I sitting at this table, I don't matter any more than you do, you know, and like, it's good for you to hear that because maybe you don't necessarily realize your impact of Mm -hmm. having more experience with civilians Mm -hmm. and being able to just bounce a couple of ideas. And and you said something like, man, you always, you're always, you said dwell, but then you said, man, you marinate on a lot. Mm -hmm. I do. So maybe Mm -hmm. you've only said five things to me this year, like, or maybe I've only asked five or eight things of advice from you all year. But if you, if you look at that in the, in my perspective, imagine how much I marinate on right, everything that right, you've right. ever said. Well, then you start looking at it, you're like, man, that's actually a lot. Well, it's a fuck ton. So you're you're subjective with giving compliments because you don't realize how much of an impact you've had on me to just make the decisions. You might say something to me when I ask for advice, but then I remember that for the next 3,500 decisions that I make right, over right. six months. Yeah, but likewise, man. Likewise. But you're not giving it credit, yeah. right? So the biggest thing tonight, man, this podcast is just understanding the importance of team mm-hmm. and just making sure that everyone is in a position to scale themselves yes. in order for us all to be successful. Yes. Man. I think, I think that's huge. And what a fun podcast, man. Yeah. What a yeah. really good podcast today. Yeah. No, this, this is really good, man. Yeah. I like it guys. Happy Friday. We're going to have episode eight coming at you super soon on Monday. Mm-hmm. Well, um, maybe we'll talk to fat a little bit more. He's in a tank top today. I'll tat it up and sexy and, uh, and quiet, but maybe we'll have him on soon and let him chat more. I know. And he's literally, you guys are looking at me right now, and I'm looking at him, waiting to hit this exit. <laughs> uh, there it goes. There we go. <laughs> guys, have a fun Friday. Stay safe. We'll holler at you Monday. See ya. Peace. Out.